Northwest Christian School Online provides online Christian education for any students ranging from kindergarten to 10th grade. The tuition is fully covered through the state of Arizona's ESA program and is affordable for families out of state. You can count on NCS Online for a rigorous, proven online program that establishes a robust biblical worldview for all students. For more information, go to ncsonline.org. That's ncsonline.org. The brothers, for you and I to live for the kingdom of God, it's going to require a, a perspective shift, a new way of thinking, a new mindset. What in the world would it mean to pray, Thy kingdom come? Seek first the kingdom of God. Know that your home is in heaven and live as if that's your goal. What we've done in the past simply can't be done anymore. That we lived our life in a certain manner because it was basically a Christian world, a Christian culture that we're living in. That time, those times are over. It's not enough to be a believer. It's not. You, it is not sufficient for you just to believe and that's it. You cannot be a believer. Being a believer leads to being a follower. Instead of all these things we're worried about that consume our thoughts and our minds, instead of using your mental energy on that, instead, seek his kingdom. What in the world would it mean to pray, thy kingdom come? Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Um, whenever you are listening to the Kingdom Culture Conversation podcast, a uh, initiative of Frameworks um, through Northwest Christian School, we are Excited to have you here and excited to have our guest today, um, Willow Humes. Um, hello, Willow. Hi. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing good. Um, Willow uh, just shared devotions with our staff of the school. How do you think that went? Um, it was better than I thought. Yeah. I didn't say um as much as I thought, so hopefully I don't... I don't know don't... if you said it once or I was <laughs> I kind of... Uh, I don't man, do she's it a here. teacher. I was sitting next to your mom and I went oh. to say, man, she is like... <laughs> On it. Doing, but yeah, good Thank job. Thank you. And thank you for sharing that um, part of your journey. And um, we're going to get into that a little bit here. But Will, I've known you for a long time. Yeah. Um, since eighth grade. So I don't even know what year that was, but it was probably, it has to be five, probably like nine, 10 years ago. Yeah. And uh, since you were a little 14 year old eighth grader, and now um, you are graduate. I'm going to read what you wrote about um, yourself on uh, from Mission Haiti, because uh, in 2016, you graduated um, uh, from Northwest Christian and GCU in 2020. And you've been working with Mission Haiti, right? Yes. Um, for a year. And, uh, the Mission Haiti website hosts an autobiographical introduction that says this, I am an Arizona native, a recent GCU graduate. I'm the sixth child out of seven. I have 11 nieces and nephews, all super close. And, um, we all participate in our parents' nonprofit, a drug and alcohol recovery program for men that stemmed out of our parents' admirable obedience to the Lord. I've been to seven different countries, and through each of them, I developed an understanding of God's calling for me to join the missions field as a teacher overseas or in the States. I want to come back to that, a mission field in the States, too. That's a mm -hmm. powerful thing to say there. I like that. God made Haiti clear to me through my best friend, Lindsay um, whom I met in college. She had a life-changing experience in Haiti that she shared with me, which led me to pursue teaching in Haiti. I'm so grateful to be able to see how God has been working in my life to lead me into two years, which ended up being one of teaching in Haiti for now. 
Uh, Willow, can you talk a little bit about how your various experiences, both at home with Deep Within and your family and abroad on mission places like Kids Kingdom and, and other places you went, um, how did that um, kind of shape you, if you will? Yeah, I think it totally shaped my worldview because I saw all these stories from people that a lot of, um, I don't know, our world doesn't really see. And so I'm like living with drug addicts or like recovering people. And um, so I don't think I knew anything different outside of ministry, like from a young age, like that's just what my life was. And that's what my life was going to be based around. So that's how I think I got led into mission trips. And especially when I started going to Mexico, I knew that that's exactly what I wanted to do in the future. Yeah. And what was it about like, just cause Mexico is what kind of start. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a starter mission trip. Yeah. I don't think it's like this, like little JV mission trip. I think it is a big deal because it really had an impact on you. What were some memories of kids kingdom maybe that kind of um, impacted you to want to keep doing this? Yeah. I think just the love that I felt mm-hmm. and I loved that we pursued that you pursued can, kids kingdom. And like, we kept pursuing them. We didn't just like go back to Mexico and go to different places every time and not really like leaving a forever mark like we did in kids kingdom. And so I think that that's why it touched my heart so much more because we were so invested in the lives of the people that we were there serving and they were serving us just as much because we had such deep relationships with them so frequently. Right. And, and watching you grow through that was an honor for me and so many others. And um, I, I heard you say to, to go where people who aren't seen. Can you talk about that? From what, 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 kind of, what does that mean, not seen? Um, yeah. I, I think because Father Greg in Tattoos in the Heart, I think, calls that the, the margins. Yeah. Talk about the margins or those who aren't seen. Yeah. Well, it's uncomfortable, I think, mm-hmm. to like look at homeless people like begging on the sides or like, well, me and my mom like to eat downtown a lot. And so like just driving downtown, we're just looking around, like, what can you do? You know, it's like uncomfortable because it's also overwhelming because there's, what can you do? You know, like it's so much bigger than you are. And, um, it's just uncomfortable because yeah, they're not, these people that are marginalized are not a part of your everyday life. And so it's hard to start incorporating them. Yeah. It is. And, and you saw that again with your, with your parents, right. Mm -hmm. At deep within. And what was it like growing up with people in recovery? Cause that, that has to be like a pretty adventurous uh, (laughs) time as a, as a young lady growing up. And yeah, it was different. Well, I guess I didn't know it was different really until later on, but, um, you just thought everybody lived in recovery. (laughs) Not necessarily, but I just thought everyone like, knew that like People this were, were mm-hmm. this was a problem wow. and like had a heart for it but not everybody does and that's okay but um i think sorry what was your question again like how, <laughs> what were some what were some how was that growing up oh in, yeah in, in, okay in, uh, so it was i think there. most of the time it was like heartbreaking yeah because like you did grow up seeing them every day. And like, I did grow up talking to them every day. And so when somebody relapsed, um, it was very hard to like, yeah, it was personal because it was like, but why, you know? And like, that's what they're choosing. And even for my dad, I think 
I think it was the same emotion, obviously more intense because it was like my own dad, but, um, yeah, it was just like really a personal experience that I had. And it was nice too, because I got to, I think it grew my empathy, my compassion for people because you really don't know why that man or that woman is on that curb unless you like talk to them and like understand like what, if this is like a cycle or if this is like stemming from something so dramatic or this is stemming from like mental illness that wasn't taken care of correctly. And now it seems to be a little bit too far or like too late for them. And so I think it really brought worldview perspective and compassion. I think about all the men I've met from deep within. Mm-hmm. And I've met a lot over the years. They've come into our taco tailgate, yeah, um, which we have on October 29th. Um, again, we're going to have some tacos. They're going to be great. And um, I remember the first year we did the taco tailgate, your mom said, if you know, if people knew who the people were making their tacos, they might be a little, <laughs> little yeah. freaked out, right? And uh, um, again, what, do we, what, what, what did you learn from those men? I mean, you kind of said a little bit before, but um, empathy, compassion. Um, what were some other lessons you learned from those men? Because again, you grew up with them. Well, I guess mostly what I learned too from my dad is that, you know, the same thing is you don't know like people's stories. And I right. think that, um, you know, we all are not like tempted, but we all hear like the devil's voice, like yeah. fre- frequently, like whispering in our ears. And so I think that like, when we put like our small whispers into like the perspective of like someone who's made big mistakes because of drug use or for some reason, whatever the reason, um, I think that we have to also per- put in res- perspective like the demons that they hear yeah. on like a regular basis, like how much bigger and how much louder they are. And so, um, yeah, I think yeah, the biggest takeaway that I've learned is the compassion that I have and trying to understand like what, what they're listening to. Like if I think that the whispers I'm hearing are so loud that I'm like, Oh, I can't speak this morning at Devo's. Like, Mm -hmm. what can I do to get out of this? Um, that's like so small compared to somebody that's struggling with addiction. I just found out a friend of mine, um, found out about two weeks ago. Um, I worked at camp with this guy for years um, he was abused as a child, and now he's a crack addict on the streets of L.A. Yeah. And again, just to go through his, and that, you just put some language to that, this Trevor's story. Mm-hmm. Um, Trevor was carrying some incredible things for a long time, and the drugs got a hold of him. And um, gosh, dang it, it's hard. But uh, it's uh, you said uncomfortable, right? It's uncomfortable, but there's joy there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, there's joy in the margins. Let's kind of cruise back to Haiti. Mm-hmm. Um, how was Haiti last year? Uh, Haiti was, Haiti was so good. At, it was also so hard yeah. because I left my family two months after my dad had passed away. And, right. um, I was there with a lot of people that I didn't know in a country I didn't know. I'd never been because when I was supposed to visit COVID hit. So I had to just <laughs> like go in blind. Yeah. And then I'm living with a lot of people that don't have my same world of view and I'm grieving, but, and when I first went, I'm like telling my mom, like, and I think I've told you before, like, how am I supposed to like, you know, my mission here is my 
kids that I'm teaching. Right. And like, how am I supposed to, yeah, love them well when I'm so empty? Like I have nothing to give. And, you know, my kids really did like, like God had ordained this country for me and he knew these kids that I was going to have. And he like picked these like specific kids that were like this group of 17 kids that were going to like love me so well that I was going to like overflow and like be able to love them back. So Haiti was hard, but it was so good and necessary. It's it's one of these things that just doesn't make sense with God, right? Yeah. It's God's economy, God's whatever, the way he does things. You go to give, you have nothing, you get full mm-hmm. of love from these children. Exactly. And it's... It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, what were some memories from the school of the of your year in Haiti? What were some highlights? Yeah. Um, my highlights, my kids are just so smart. Like, I don't know, like just to be able to translate for me and my co-teacher and to speak French, English, and Creole, just how impressive that they truly were. And um, just being able to like, grasp the Bible so well from like an early age and talking about hard stuff and talking about how like God calls us to love before he calls us to judge, like being able to teach those things to my children, to my kids, (laughs) to my students. I know. Yeah. Um, Trust me. I know I'm a teacher. Exactly. (laughs) So being able to teach those things when I was like, so when I was hurting so much, being able to reiterate what is being said about love in the Bible to my kids and them grasping it was a big highlight. And also just being able to hug them so much, like physical touches, obviously not as like appropriate in America with like students, Mm -hmm. but being able to hug them all the time and Mm -hmm. to I don't know, just to be able to love them well. And they loved me well. So Did they know your dad had passed away? They did. Yeah. Yeah. And had how had COVID affected the village you were in? COVID didn't really... They talked about wearing masks and COVID and stuff like that, but they hadn't been too affected by it because not a lot of people were traveling to Haiti. And our village, even though we're only about like, from Phoenix to Flagstaff, from our village to Port-au-Prince, yeah. the drive is like six hours okay. because the roads are not so good. So not a lot of people were coming out to my village. So Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. But they had experienced loss. These kids knew what grief was. Yeah, they, they knew, knew that. that. They knew what poverty was. Yeah. And- a lot of my kids had already lost um, like family members wow. and parents. And we had a kid that I was supposed to have this year, Angelo. He lost his father last year and Alista Luna lost an aunt. And then this year, somebody lost, um, somebody also lost an aunt this year. And I mean, sometimes that can sound kind of distant because it's like, I don't really know my aunts that well, but when you're living in a house with your aunts and your uncles and stuff like that, it's different. Yeah. It's, I love being loved by kids, right? Mm-hmm. They, they just like their smile, um, yeah. their hug. They just, they, they teach us so much. Yeah. And we think we're the teachers. Exactly. We're not. Um, sadly, you're back in yeah. the States for this year. You're yeah. planning on going back to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, what what happened there? Um, Besides like the earthquake yeah. and the 
Um, her, well, the president was a pre- is Port au Prince the capital? Yeah. Forgive my ignorance. Yeah. So was the president in Port au Prince? Yes. Okay. And the president was assassinated before we got there. And then the earthquake happened. And then Hurricane Grace happened. And all of these things. Um, and honestly, like Haiti has some desperate situations which cause for desperate people and Mm -hmm. so in our village there was just some guys that were kind of causing a ruckus because they felt like mission haiti um needed to give more to them to them okay and when our leader said no then they it was just kind of like an unsafe environment for us which um didn't seem like a big deal, I think, to us, but because the leader, our leader, Paul, was, has been this, experiencing this for so long, yeah. it was kind of like a, we need to like stand up to the treatment that has been taking place for a while. So it had been going on. That's kind In of our village. part of the culture. Yeah, because, okay. I mean, that's a big thing about Jack too, our school, is we really like focus on social and emotional like skills and tools. Okay. And um, I think that's just like a cycle in Haiti of not really dealing with conflict or situations well. Right. You know, so... Is there people from Mission Haiti that live in Haiti, like still, like like the is like the principal live there, or are you all from other countries? So all the foreigners left, but we were like in the process of like Mission Haiti was always trying to make Mission Haiti like Haitian led, and so at our school we had a Haitian principal and a. Canadian principal. And so he's still there and we still have like our French teachers there who are going to be starting school on October 25th. But yeah, all of the Americans are not there. Okay. So Mission Haiti is kind of restructuring a little bit sooner than they thought. Okay. So you're here now for the year. Yeah. I know maybe going back, but it's not, they've kind of called it for the year. Yeah. And I like, what are the kids doing? I know your heart is with those kids, mm-hmm. right? I mean, um, yeah. like I, I remember, you know, it's like you're, you're here, mm-hmm. but where's your heart? Yeah, exactly. So what are the kids doing right now? Or do you know, or. Yeah, the kids are, so we never started school because the earthquake. And so, um, all schools were postponed until October 4th and we left like a week before October 4th, but the Haitian teachers are still there. The Haitian principal are still there. So the kids will be starting school October 25th and doing all French until January, where hopefully they will find qualified Haitian, English-speaking Haitians that can fill in for us. Okay. Well, I I got the privilege of going to Haiti Mm -hmm. um, several years ago. We got to go with a group from Northwest Christian. It was amazing time and i'll see haiti in the news yeah right and i i kind of relate a little bit to mexico right i could talk about that we're not yeah. about that right now but the news says there's kidnappings and violence and um earthquakes and what was your i i saw some incredible people yeah that just were living life and loving jesus and loving each other what were kind of your experiences maybe that if someone just watched the news um, what do you want them to tell about, know about Haiti? Yeah, there's so much, like it's so beautiful there. 
I said in the devos this morning, I think like heaven has to look a little bit like Haiti and the people are so beautiful there and so generous. Um, I think what I would want people to know is that people are so educated in Mm -hmm. Haiti and um, they're smart and they are activists for themselves and for communities in Haiti that aren't getting the resources that the government promises. You know, it's not everyone is completely destitute or um, wanting to get out of Haiti because it is beautiful there and they're trying to leave a mark in their own country. I think I'd want people to know that, you know, Haiti is, I don't know. Sorry. (laughs) Haiti is beautiful and the people there are beautiful and they're educated and they're activists and they're trying to make Haiti better. Yeah. Cause it's their home. Yeah. It's their home. And, uh, and I I heard a quote from somebody about theology Mm -hmm. and it says, if your theology isn't correct for everyone on the planet, then it's probably not correct. Yeah. And sometimes like, like, do you have people that can't read? Mm -hmm. Um, people, so like, we say, if you don't read your Bible every day, then you might not have a good relationship with God. Exactly. What if you can't read? Yeah. What if you can't understand that? And I just think to watch you love people on those margins, Willow, um, is incredible. And I go back to what you said in your, in your intro for Mission Haiti, like uh, the States too, right? You, you can, you can find the margins anywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. And people love, um, their home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, do you know much about those, like we see in the news, the migrants, right? The people coming up and, and do you know much about that at all? No, I don't. Okay. Um, I didn't really know about it. My okay. mom sent me an article. So yeah. Oh, good. So it's, it's a big country, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. A, it's a big country and there's a lot of stuff going on that we don't know about, but yeah. what we did see in the news, sadly, uh, uh, in the last, um, recent news, 17 missionaries were abducted. Yeah. Um, and uh, kidnapped by Haitian gangs that are demanding a $17 million ransom before they be returned. It highlighted risks to foreign nationals that are associated with abduction. Have you had to safeguard against that kind of things? And what measures did you have to maybe be um, safe in, in Haiti? Yeah, no. Um, this past year, we got a night security guard. Um, okay. I think that's really the only measure... That we really took, but I never, we never had to safeguard at all from abductions because it was mostly happening in Port-au-Prince. But um, last year we lived with a Haitian psychologist who was so smart, but um, she was constantly like full of anxiety for her family in Port-au-Prince. It would just like some days she wouldn't even be able to like go to school because she was so full of anxiety about it. Um, her family. So the gangs are mostly kidnapping people that have some kind of wealth or like position in the government or a doctor or a lawyer. And so her family, it wasn't as much that they were going to get abducted, but be hurt by the gang violence that was happening. So rapid rampantly in, Port-au-Prince. And then we also lived with a doctor and her name was Dr. Fedna and her family actually did experience an abduction. Okay. I can't speak as much on it cause they didn't really tell us the details because when it happened, we hadn't, we didn't know her as well yet cause it happened in the first couple of months of being in Haiti. Okay. And then later on, she didn't really feel 
like she wanted to talk about it because it was pretty traumatic, but it was actually her husband's father who was abducted and they didn't kill him, but, um, it was so scary. And the same with her, like she would get so stressed about someone in her family being abducted that she would get physically ill. So, wow. That's sad. It's just sad. It's just a broken world. You said it in your devotion this morning, just a sad world that we Mm -hmm. live in. And, um, uh, this this podcast will thank you so much first yeah. of all I just you know how i feel about you i'm gonna care about you i'm so thankful for you and your family and um this podcast goes out to students and families that are either associated with ncs or um frameworks and uh if you had a word of encouragement to students today that are just maybe a few years behind you on their own journey with the lord um, what would that be i think what i would say is um to refuse comfort if it pushes the gospel forward not to be so focused on um the comfort of your current life but if god is calling you to do something that is out of your comfort um to do it if you feel like that's actually the lord's voice calling you to that yeah and that's that's hard. Yeah. Um, well, one, this was not comfortable for you, right? No. <laughs> um, I get text, Mr. Gardner, I'm nervous. Mr. Gardner, I'm nervous. And, yeah. And your mom tell me, Mr. G, she's really nervous. <laughs> yeah. And uh, But we have been blessed by time with you at Devotions. Yeah. And by this, Willow. Um, and I thank you. Um, and I'm looking forward to going to the orphanage next week with you. Yeah. And uh, if you are listening and you are a praying person, um, pray for uh, my friend Willow and her family and just direction of all the people from Mission Haiti who would rather be in Haiti right now. Exactly. The children and uh, pray for the children. Um, yeah. Because for us, it's just a little bit of a, I wouldn't call it an inconvenience. It's more than that. Yeah. But for those children, it's where they live. Yeah. Right. And it's their, it's their life. It's everything. They don't get to just evacuate. Mm-hmm. Um, they live there. So um, I would appreciate that if you'd pray for for them. So um, God bless you all and, and uh, have a tremendous day. Northwest Christian School has made biblical worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit. Regardless of whether they attend public school, private school, charter school, or homeschool, Frameworks is an exciting new initiative utilizing the learning management system of Grand Canyon University. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com.